0: How are you today? This is another episode of Film Streak, and uh, my name is Rob. And you know what? Um, some changes are happening here at Film Streak, and that's okay. That's a good thing. But if you're new to this, maybe you have just found this. What we do here, or what I do here, is uh, I watch a new movie. I watch several new movies. I've already watched a lot of movies. But, you know, there's a point where uh, I get tired of watching the same stuff as much as I have a list, a a collection of my favorites and the all time movies that I, I watch no matter what. There are thousands of movies that I've never seen before, and I'm sure that's the case for all of us. Right. If you love movies. Uh, You probably watch as much as you can, as often as you can. But you know there's a ton that's out there that you just haven't gotten to. And so that's my goal here. It's a little bit of a personal challenge. Uh, I did originally start by watching a movie every day. The problem with that is it's just not really sustainable, you know? When other things in life are going on, yeah, it's... It's really tough. So I'm still watching new movies. I'm still trying to make the effort, okay I'm making the effort to watch something new and to talk about it here in some sort of half educated way. Uh, some of these movies may or may not deserve that, but at least I'll try. So look let's uh, let's get to this episode okay this is um, this is gonna pick up where we left off. We're talking about Film Streak 155, you're next. I just want you all to know how much it means to us that you're all here. Thanks to mom and dad. Beautiful. Just a perfect day. Dear Heavenly Father, Drink we thank thee for thy food in the and help us to do our part. With kind words and loving deeds amen amen we go home what is that This is a movie directed by Adam Wingard, who uh, went on to direct uh, a few other films after this, really stepping it up with the more recent, uh, was it Kong versus Godzilla? Um, You know, the kind of entry into the, uh, whatever the monster verse is or whatever it's called now, but that is like exponentially uh, like supersized compared to this and yet here, I feel like this is at least a look, an early look at a filmmaker who's destined to go on to bigger things, but their unique kind of take on a genre and on some of the conventions of that genre. And uh, I don't know, I, I, I thought it was pretty interesting. You know, it's very small. It's clearly a low budget production. That's okay. Okay. But it's uh, another, what seems like another entry into the line of films about a family or a group of people kind of trapped in a house, being stalked by some mysterious killers. And, you know, there it seemed like there was like a wave of this, like around this time, you know, around 2010 era, there was like uh, The Strangers, there was The Purge, there was... Um, Oh, I feel like there were a couple others and I I can't, I can't think of them right at this moment, but the point is this film, it introduces us to a cast of characters, right? It it starts with this couple, the young couple that is going to see the parents of the young man in the couple and it's their anniversary. So he's going, he's bringing his girlfriend, all the siblings are coming with their spouses and, and whatever. And, uh, it starts in a, in a little bit of a mundane fashion. You're just kind of get to know these people. And some of them kind of seem a little odd. Some of them seem kind of... Uh, they seem like jerks. But you're not really sure where everything is going. There's clearly some tension. There's a lot of subtext you're supposed to, I think, read into it. Which is cool. That's fine. Give it some depth. I'm all for it. When the first person dies, though it immediately changes the tone and changes the energy of the film in a pretty big way. You know, there are a cast of characters and it's all based around this family and you assume or maybe you kind of expect that someone in the family is going to be the one to take control of the situation and really uh, save the day or become the hero or step up or whatever you want to call it. And there are some characters that are, Sort of positioned that way, like you, you're. I think supposed to just naturally lean to. Oh, this is going to be the person that's going to like take charge. And yet, as it plays out, it's the girlfriend of the son. You know who we're introduced at first. Um, you know her name is Erin. She played by Sharni Vinson, who does a really good job of turning this whole film. On her performance of being kind of the just, you know, uh, a little bit of a quiet, little just a very kind of um, accommodating girlfriend, but then turns into the take charge, kick ass, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to get these guys. I'm going to save everybody. Uh, th- th- that role, she inhabits that role in a way that uh, I, I think, you know, you don't necessarily see coming. And even to the point where some of the characters who were introduced as, you know, part of the family, that they start to become the suspects. They, they seem sketchy. They seem like they might be in on this somehow. Or they might know what's going on. Well, when some things get revealed, it turns out her boyfriend is the one that put the whole thing together, plotted out like we're going to kill the family, kill the parents, and I'm going to inherit all the money and whatever, uh, you know, it really, um, it goes against a lot of, I think, the, the expectations. And when she even makes it her mission to take all these people out, it really works in a, in a really kind of a satisfying way. I just think it's played just enough where you kind of see where things are going. And yet, when it happens, it it feels satisfying. It feels, <laughs> it just feels comforting to see like someone really work the problem and make it out of this alive. So, you know, in that respect, that's a recommendation for me at least. So check that one out when you have some time. All right. So let's keep this moving here. This next film I want to talk about It's a film that I had a a, actually kind of a special screening of. So I work with the film festival here in Houston, Texas, where I am. And it's the Houston Latino Film Festival. Good guys, a good crew, a good team there. They really have an eye for quality work. They try to hold a standard of the types of films and, and the projects that they showcase. And so... Normally, their film festival runs through uh, sometime in late March or April, earlier in the year. But also, they do some special screenings, a special event around Dia de los Muertos, and that is, for those who don't know, maybe it's right around Halloween time. So it, it actually is like a few days or a couple of days after Halloween. Well, so I went to a special screening of this next film. And I'll tell you, it was a it was a nice surprise. It was a nice little find. This is film streak one fifty-six, my dead dad. Your dad passed yesterday. How'd he die? Lung cancer. Nice. dad left everything to you. All of the apartments are in your name. What apartments? Your pops. You said you would be like this. I haven't seen him in 10 years. Did he tell you that? Go introduce yourself to all the tenants. I don't speak English, so you just spoke English. I never spoke English in my life. My name is Lucas, and I'm just going around the apartment introducing myself to everybody. Can I, I mean, look at the bugs? Oh. Do you know how to do that? I mean, you know, manage an apartment? Oh, what the, the f- hell? Qualifications, qualifications, you know, like experience? For the build, like to run buildings? Right, like... No, I don't. Why are you here, Lucas? You said you wanted to sell, right? But I also don't want to go back to Reno. Bet you haven't gone through your father's stuff yet, huh? It's okay to be angry, Lucas. It's not! It's not fucking okay! It's not okay that he did that! It's weird, I feel like everybody knew him. Was his way to show you he loved you. Yeah, I don't know about that. Wait, just too bad. You'll never get to know him like that. I'm not happy here, man. You're happy anywhere, Lucas. No matter where you are, because it's it's in here. And it's in here. Well, that's your friend with the dead dad. Yeah. That's his name again. Lucas. Sometimes <laughs> you just gotta like, take a step back. True. Being an adult sucks, yeah. Most people think that a man is supposed to keep everything bottled up inside, but really it's much harder to open up. I wish things were different, but uh, I just want you to know that I'm... Wait, so you're not from Vegas? No, I'm from Reno. Oh. Well, why aren't you from Vegas? Reno sucks. Now, this is a a film that, um, you know, it's it's directed by Fabio Frey, uh, written and and co-written by Fabio Frey and the main star, Pedro Correa. And so one thing I learned just reading up and learning about the film was that uh, the story itself, you know, the premise of it is roughly based on the actual things that happened to Pedro Correa when his father passed away and left an apartment complex or apartment building for him to either manage or take, take the responsibility for. And so this film itself, it, it at least approaches it where this is a young man who lives in, I think it's Reno and he has to move back to California to Investigate and find out what exactly is going on with this apartment complex because his father passed away and left it to him. And his first reaction is, Well, let's just sell it. Let's just get out of this. I, I don't want to deal with this. I don't have any interest in owning or, or managing an apartment complex. But as he kind of looks into the matter, he deals with, uh, I, oh, I guess, is like the superintendent, is Raymond Cruz who really dials in a a calm and and actually kind of warm role here. Um, A little bit of a fatherly role, but plays it in a very natural way, which if you know Raymond Cruz from, you know, some other movies he's done, or maybe like Breaking Bad, he played Tuco, which was just this explosive kind of unpredictable, chaotic force here, He's very calm. He's very comforting and very wise. And I feel like that's a nice change of pace. I I liked seeing that. And I like that he was really the voice of reason for this young man who is just trying to get out of this, just doesn't want anything to do with this. And part of it is because he doesn't want the responsibility, but also part of it is he's got his own baggage. He's got his own history with his father and, and just... That relationship and how it either went or ended up. And so to me, you know, it's a very small film. The story is, is really pretty simple. It's, it's not overly complex. But I think the point of it is that it's examining that process of having to pick up the pieces of a life of someone that is gone and what happens to everything they've left behind. Now, whether that's an apartment complex or whether that's money or other property or just the emotions, the memories. And so that is where I, that's where I really connected with it. I mean, I have my own personal experience at this point that I, I felt, you know, I I, I I felt it in some of the scenes and some of the, the things that the characters were saying. It's like, yeah, I, I get it. I understand this. And, you know, in the past, in just a year ago or so, I wouldn't have necessarily understood it the same way. I wouldn't have felt it, put it that way. And so I think this is a a really small and really quiet examination, a a look at this kind of situation. And, um, you know, I I commend everybody who's behind this. All the performances, all the the writing was very smart and very natural. I mean, it it dabbles a little bit in some comedic territory. Uh, it, It dabbles in a little bit of romantic territory. But it really is more of a story about someone just, you know, dealing with, with grief and dealing with loss and, and maybe even regret over things that should have been said, should have been done or missed opportunities. And those are all things that I, you know, unfortunately for one reason or another, I sometimes identify with. And so this one is a, is a really strong solid recommendation for me. And in terms of where you can see this film. So I saw this at a festival or I saw this at a screening But I also learned that this is available, at least at the moment, as I'm recording this, it's available on HBO Max, which is, you know, if you have that service, it's an easy way to check this film out. And that's the thing I like about that is, you know, you go to some film festivals or, you know, special events like that, and you may see films that you never get to see anywhere else and you never find them. And so uh, there's something nice about that. It kind of makes it a unique experience and something you can really, you know, treasure in a way, but also it's, it's hard to recommend a film that you see when, you know, people won't be able to find it anywhere. And so this is a nice, uh, this is a nice opportunity to do that and say, Hey, this is film I enjoyed. So here's a way you can see it. So it's not necessarily a plug for HBO max, but you know, Hey, if you got it, it's there. Okay. Alright, so let's uh, let's keep this one moving. We're gonna go to Filmstrip 157 Beast. Hey, look out the window. Welcome to my party, guys. I can see clearly now. The rain is gone. Thank you so much for having us. This. this is my chance to reconnect with the girls. I can see all Did mom shoot some of these? This little bump right here? That's you. You'll miss her every day. What's that? There's something crossing up ahead. Keep the girls in the car. Stay in the car, okay? Just stay in the car. What happened? Diabolo. Okay, what's he saying? Diabolo means devil. I've never seen anything like this. Multiple attacks, without eating its prey. Lions don't do that. At least no lion I've ever seen. Go back to the calls. Jack, can please? Ah! <laughs> no! man, you gotta you gotta
1: try. Go, go,
0: go! Down. we're in his territory now it's the law of the jungle it's the only law that matters todd they've got guns you shouldn't be out here what are you doing stop stop i've got to get my girls out of here I need you to trust me right now. I'm coming back. Okay, so this film is, uh, it's interesting in terms of the, I guess the premise and the story. Like I really thought, you know, you look at the trailer or some of the early marketing for it, it just really seemed to focus on, you know, buy all, initial appearances, it seems like it's Idris Alba and his daughters trapped in a truck with a lion that's trying to get at them inside the truck, right? Seems very Cujo-like. And I, you know, I kind of took it at face value. I'm like, oh, okay, this is just about some people trying to not get eaten by a lion. Okay. Uh, That didn't really interest me. But as I looked at a little more about what the film is actually about and talked to some people about it who had seen it, it turns out it's actually a lot more than that, you know? I mean, it, it does have the moments of suspense and, and the adventure and the action of, you know, being out in the wilderness and lions and, and wildlife and what do you do and survival and all that. Okay. it's got some layers to it is it's a little bit different it's not just about that it's also about a a father trying to connect with his daughters or reconnect with his daughters after they've lost well he's lost his wife the daughters lost their mother and so they're all dealing with you know speaking of dealing with loss and and how do you cope this is showing a, a family who's kind of in disarray you know, we're not all on the same page. And so, how do we get back on the same page? And now we got a lion chasing us. So, we, we really got to get this together. So, I like that it at least introduced a different layer to it, you know, it, it, a thematic element that is not just about wildlife and, you know, beasts gone awry. Okay. The other thing to it is it's a little bit of a kind of a social commentary or, or what have you about you know, the effect of poaching and exploiting wilderness and nature and animals and and all of that. And that's important. Yes. Um, it does take a backseat to everything else, really. I mean, it's only introduced at the very beginning and then I guess a little bit towards the end or, you know, as the film kind of wraps up. It's like, oh, here's why this is happening. Outside of that, it's all about the the kind of immediate threat and the immediate survival of the main characters. So I'll just say that that in itself, it plays, you know, there's plenty of room for suspense and thrills and, and some action in there. You know, I, I think um, <laughs> the, the one thing that caught my attention that I don't, I don't think it was intended to catch my attention this way, but it did, is that there's actually a lot of use of oners. You know, the the long, unbroken take where the camera just kind of consistently moves throughout a scene, you know, doesn't cut anywhere, stays on the characters, moves around the location, all that stuff, right? Like, I noticed at least two of these scenes or sequences and there there might have been a third but i you know i noticed it only because i wondered why i wondered why it was doing this why the filmmakers chose to use this technique to tell this part of the story and uh i didn't really find it all that effective you know it started to feel like a gimmick and so in that case, I, I feel like it weakens the, the impact. And that's not to say it, it isn't impressive because there's choreography, there's a technical craftsmanship you've got to have to be able to pull that off and pull it off repeatedly. And yet uh, I didn't really understand the point of it, you know, other than to just say, hey, look at what we're doing. But really, it's not. Supposed to do that, right? It's supposed to be immersive. You're not supposed to notice it. I feel like. So, that was a little. That uh, was a little odd. You know, it's not really a knock against the film. It just stands out, and maybe not in the right way. But I'll say this. I mean, I at least thought it was a, a fair attempt to try and make something new, a little bit of a, a different type of story. Survival in the Wilderness against the animals and nature. And i uh, just layer in some other thematic elements. It's fine. Recommended it only in the sense that uh, if you like Idris elbow this might be a good movie to check out. If you like Charlottesville, Copley, he's in this film, and I didn't expect that. I feel like I hadn't seen him in anything in a while. But he really plays a, a, a good uh, kind of counter to... Adrius Elba's character, who is very much out of his element and yet, you know, is kind of expected to step up and, you know, make it through this. And Shalto Copley, who is the guide, who's kind of leading them on this, this, I guess, journey, this expedition, this safari, I don't know, whatever the, this tour, I guess, tour of the lions, uh, he has a little bit of a different fate. So it's just a little interesting switch on you know, what the typical dynamic might be, I guess. All right, so let's keep this moving. And um, this next one here is gonna be a little bit of a tricky one. This is 158 Licorice Pizza. It's a God awful small affair To the girl with the mousy hair I met the girl on the Mary one day. But her mommy is yelling no daddy has told her to go. Listen, young lady. But her friend is nowhere to be seen. So how'd you become such a hot shot actor? She I'm a showman. Dream. That's what I'm meant to do. To the seat with the clearest view. And <laughs> she's hooked to the silver screen. Do you know who I am? Yeah. Do you know uh, who my girlfriend is? Barbara Streisand? Sand? Streisand. sand. Sand. yeah, like sands. Like the ocean, like beach. Barbastai sand? No, but Streisand. sand sand. But the film is a sad thing for. This is fate that brought us here. But she's lived ten times or more. Our roads took us here. She could spit in the eyes of fools. They're not my directors. They ask her to focus on. Do you really want to see my boobs? Can I touch them? See you tomorrow. It's weird I hang out with Gary and his friends all the time. (laughs) I think it's weird that I hang out with Gary and his 15-year-old friends all the time. I'm not gonna forget you. Just like you're not gonna forget me. Full sound. Full camera A. Full camera B. Park it. Action. Ah! I'm not the world's biggest Paul Thomas Anderson fan, but I am very familiar with his films and I I like most of them and I love a few of them. So with that in mind, this one was a real uh, this one really puzzled me. And only because I feel like watching Paul Thomas Anderson's movies, uh, over the years, you can see, uh, the evolution of an artist. Let's say you can see someone either growing or, or changing or developing, uh, a, a style, a type of story, a touch. Right. And, uh, you know, you go from something like Sydney or Heart 8 to There Will Be Blood to Phantom Thread. And, um, you know, here's a filmmaker who's really not just kind of making the same movie over and over. But he's really trying to not only like change up the locations, change up the time, the, the period, change up. the types of characters, he's changing the stories, the thematic elements. And there are some common threads across most of his films. But uh, he's at least switching it up. And, And maybe it's a conscious thing, maybe it's not. But here, I felt like with Licorice Pizza, I feel like, oh, okay, maybe this is actually the most personal film that he's made because it doesn't feel like it fits in any specific genre or really, I mean, it takes place in the seventies, I think in 1973, but it doesn't even necessarily feel like it takes place in a specific time. It's just generally in the seventies somewhere for as much as it kind of works in some comedy and a little bit of romance and, and a little bit of uh, let's say tension, you know, some, some conflict um, it never really seemed to come together for me. It just didn't really gel. It didn't, it didn't make the magic, you know, the, the, it didn't become the stew that is something like a Boogie Nights or Magnolia or, or any of these films where there's so many characters and so many plot points and so many thematic elements and they all kind of just line up and we have magic didn't really seem to happen here. And I'm not really sure why. You know, it just seemed very disjointed. Uh, and I think I, or at least my, my way of, of kind of verbalizing it is that this is a story about a very specific time, a very specific place, and even a very specific way of life or culture that if you didn't live in the San Fernando Valley in the mid 70s as a teenager you probably won't really get a lot of a lot of what this what is going on in this film now if you back up and say well this is a film about you know first love and and discovering love at an early age and how you don't always know what to do and you don't always know how to act and what to say and all that. There's a ton of movies like that about that type of a story and about characters going through that. There's a ton of them. And this one somehow is just, I don't know. It's something about the characters and about some of their decisions, some of the actions that they take. I don't really... I didn't really understand it. It's almost like if somebody tells you like, oh man, I got this great story. Let me tell you what happened to this thing here. Remember this thing, you know, where we did this and then that happened and all that. And then it's like, but you really had to be there. That's what this film kind of felt like to me. It's like, you can tell me all this stuff happened. You could even show it to me. But it's not the same as like if I were there and actually had a memory of it. You know, I... That's what I mean. It's just a little fuzzy trying to figure out how to, how to describe why this didn't work for me. Um, I just, it's just hard to kind of relate to the experience, I guess. And I feel like this is a film that is begging you, pleading with you to understand not just the time and the setting and the location and the, the music and all that, it's begging for you to understand what the characters are feeling. And I I kind of understand, but I, I don't know. Something just doesn't connect for me. So with that in mind, like this just, it doesn't really even make it on the scale of Paul Thomas Anderson films. Yeah, you know, it, it really, I don't know. Some of them I'm I'm good with. I could see them once or twice and I'm good. Some of them, I watch them like every year. You know, Boogie Nights for me, that's that's top 10, maybe top 20. That's way up there. Um, There Will Be Blood, same thing. You know, some of the others, you know, I'll, I'll watch them here and there. Or I'll watch parts or I have great scenes that I like to watch in those. But this one, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know where this even fits on the scale. I mean, but you know, then again, it's, it may be one of those that I, I might have to watch it again someday. Maybe with a different set of eyes or just a little bit of a different mood or, or energy in the room or whatever, you know? And sometimes that's the magic. That's the magic of film is you see things you didn't see before. But this, just on the first watch, it's not really working for me. So, uh, you know, I, I got to say pass. Now, if you're just a completist and you love all the Paul movies and you got to watch them all, go for it. Go check it out. You might actually like this. This might totally, you know, be your jam. But it uh, didn't really do it for me. So with that said, let's, let's move on to the next one. This is going to be 159 Bullet Train. Deer Creek International Business Solutions, how can I help you? I am ready. Well, that's great, Ladybug. Ladybug? Your new operational name. Oh, I see what you're doing. Ladybug's supposed to be lucky. You don't have bad luck. Really? Really? My bad luck is biblical. I'm not even trying to kill people and someone dies. I remember the suicidal bellboy. You drove him to the hospital. Hang in there, buddy! And he didn't die. Okay, the wedding. Tequila? Johannesburg, it's time for some change. You want it simple for your first job back. It doesn't get simpler. We need to find a person who took that case. That's too easy. Shit. What? Remember those two wackos from the Bolivia job? The twins? Yeah, not so sure they're twins. Get off the train. You stabbed me? Oh, I would never stop coming for you. What? I missed my stop. something else going on here. Hi. You don't remember me. You look like every white homeless man I've ever seen. Really? You don't remember me? He's <laughs> oh, a pack of dicks, lady. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm I'm working on it. Get off at the next stop. Sounds so easy when you say it. One little prick from this, you know what happens? Yes. Your blood congeals, clogging your veins. I you said blood. yes. Uh. Ah. Ball. you're going to want to hear the whole story between force and kyoto the white death with his army of assassins there's this solar psychotic leader with the largest criminal organization on the planet shoved right inside i don't see the white death letting any of us off this train we need to come up with a plan i'm gonna hurt people What's happening to your face? Maybe there was a little head trauma? Maybe. I I gotta get off this train. Sorry, buddy. You know, the way I look at it is there are trains and there are bullet trains. And what's the difference, right? Train, you know what a train is. You know what it does. You know how fast it goes. Yeah, but but this is a bullet train, okay? So it does that faster, and it does that differently, and it doesn't really, it doesn't really waste time, right? It's actually designed to not waste time, and so here I have a feeling like. That was a big part of the, the mantra for making this film. I mean, it just seems like it. I mean, this thing starts and it doesn't really stop until we get to the end. And I, I'm i all for that. I'm all for let's let's put some energy in this thing. If this is an action movie, let's put some energy in it. But you know, it it could have used just a little bit of a pause every once in a while. Like, let's let me catch up with you, let me have a moment to breathe, and and uh, we'll enjoy some more. Just give me a second. But uh, I, I mean, I at least give it this. It has a very, it has a very kind of specific combination, a, a blend of comedy and action and suspense that uh, I feel like other films try to do and they just never really land it. And you know, the, the most immediate example that comes to mind is someone like a Michael Bay who makes films that are amazing to look at and have some of the most insane action you might see. And yet never seems to really land it with the comedy, with the sense of humor. It's sometimes a little too crude and a little too adolescent. And here it's like, it's got all of those elements and everything really seems to be dialed in just enough to where it works. And so I, you know, I applaud that because that's not easy to do. I mean, that's a pretty tricky thing to pull off. And yet, you know, the only thing is like, hey, man, I just I just need a, a, a breather here for like two minutes, you know, because it's not just the the action is moving fast, like it's a lot of fast cutting and, and the music and all that. I mean, even the dialogue, it's like nonstop. You know, you have what seem like our two main characters, even though Brad Pitt's kind of the lead that he's on all the posters he's probably the biggest name in the film. Uh, he's not necessarily the main character. I, I mean, he does survive to the end, but there are two other characters, Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Tyler Henry, who, Hey man, guys get it down to two names. You know, they play brothers who pretty much bicker throughout the entire film. It, it borders on being annoying. Sometimes it's really funny. But uh, it's one of those where I'm like, I need you guys to just stop for just 20 seconds. And yet, you know, it all in the end, it kind of comes together and it does work out and it is a fun ride. And it is really, I mean, with the action and even some of the special effects, it gets over the top a little bit, but is inventive. You know, it is nothing to say that they didn't put effort in. And. You know, with a cast like this, it's a huge cast. It's just stacked. I mean, it's got Brad Pitt and the other two, three named guys. But it's also got, you know, Sandra Bullock's in this. Channing Tatum has a cameo. And I wonder, like, maybe this was some kind of a trade deal for The Lost City. Maybe. But, you know, people, Michael Shannon is in this. And it's not really advertised. So that's kind of a nice surprise. You don't see him in any of the posters or anything. Um, someone who I always enjoy watching just because he brings a certain kind of weight to anything he's in is Hiroyuki Sanada. There's plenty of people to watch in this movie, and yet, you know, everybody goes 100%. It is a bloody, nonstop, violent affair. So... That's a recommendation from me. It's at least a fun watch. And it's one of those that it kind of reminded me a little bit of the Oceans movies, where if you watch it, you just kind of just there's a vibe to it. And it's you feel like you can just see that everybody had fun making this movie, regardless of how it would have turned out. There's just something it's like something behind the eyes or something in in the I don't know. Body language, it just seems like everybody looks like they're having fun doing this. And that's always interesting to watch. It it just makes it that much more fun, that much more enjoyable. So that's a recommendation from me. Check that one out if you like. That's Bullet Train. All right, now our last one here for this episode. I, you know, I was looking forward to this and wow, what did this turn out to be? This is Filmstrike 160. This is House of Gucci. Gucci. It was a name that sounded so seductive. Was style, power. Patricia. Patrizia Gucci. We need more women in this family. I want to be successful. Gucci needs no blood. It's time to take out the trash can keep you keep a secret father son and the house of Gucci you know just like with Paul Thomas Sanderson if there's another filmmaker that is way up on my list of favorite and highly respected filmmakers that I really admire their style their their approach their the types of stories they tell is none other than Sir Ridley Scott and You know, there's a lot of things I can say about this movie and there's a lot of things that have been said, I'm sure. But I just felt like this was the least Ridley Scott movie I'd seen in a long time. And that can go for the visual style, that can go for the structure of the story, it could go for the performances that are in this film. Nothing here feels right. It just feels like a mess. And, you know... Part of me was really intrigued because I thought, oh, this is a a thing that I'm not familiar with. I'm not familiar with high fashion. I mean, who gives a shit about Gucci? Uh, You know, if you've got money, I guess. But regular people, who cares? So uh, I thought, well, at least this will be an interesting look into what this brand or, or what this family was all about. And there is that. There's a layer of it that is about, oh, things that happened in the history of the family, and the history of the business, and how it affected the brand, and how it affected fashion, and all that. That is in there. And if the movie were just that, I might have enjoyed it. Not to say it's got to be dry. I don't want a documentary. But let's focus on that. Well, Instead, this film really just takes a whole side door into that story. By starting, it, it, it introduces us to all of this through a character of Patricia who marries into the family to the, I guess, the nephew, let me see, the nephew of the owner. I don't even know. I, I mean, the problem I find with following this cast and what they're doing in this movie and how it relates to the whole plot and everything is that everybody's in their own movie. No two actors in this movie are in the same movie. Like Lady Gaga's Patricia, she's in her movie. Adam Driver is in his movie. Jared Leto is in some other movie from another time, from another genre. I don't don't even know what he's doing. I think the only one that really kind of plays this movie like right down the line of what it probably should have been, what it should have come out as... probably Al Pacino I mean he plays it not as like uh, not as an overbearing uh, patriarch of the family or anything but he plays it as sometimes warm sometimes uh, mischievous and sometimes you know a little bit uh, aloof but kind of keeps it in a certain range where you you feel like this is where the movie was supposed to be, so what the hell is everybody else doing here? And it's interesting to me, this movie is like over two and a half hours long and for about like the first two hours okay, a whole movie's worth, it's just a circus and It's only in in the last half hour or so when, oddly enough, like Lady Gaga, the the Patricia character, kind of gets moved out of the story, kind of becomes irrelevant at some point. And Adam Driver becomes, in a way, the the protagonist now. And we follow him through the end of the movie. And what he's got to do and he's trying to save the business and protect the brand and watch out for his family and all this stuff... And so he's kind of taken over as the person we're following. And yet, um, what? What happened to our main character? Now we have a new main character. And now this feels like, oh, well, this is the movie I think we were supposed to get. Because it gets serious and it gets real and the stakes are high. The stakes are not, oh, well, there's this woman who wants to marry this man. But is she marrying him for his money? Is she marrying him for his family, for the name? Is she marrying him because she loves him? You know, all the questions that come with that, which are legit, and I'm sure it's part of the intrigue of this story. But now we get to, oh, okay, now there's real business got to get done. And this is the guy that's got to do it. And he's maybe not interested, maybe not familiar, maybe doesn't know what he's doing, but he's just got to do something. To me, that's a little more of an interesting premise or, or thread than anything that had to do with his marriage and this woman and her kind of kooky ways and all that. And I just felt like it's only in the last half hour of this movie, you get the movie that I think we're all sold on. And that's, that's just, that's just slimy. That's just not cool. So, you know, the only way I could maybe kind of justify, and maybe this was part of the thinking, but, you know, to me, it's like, you know, maybe this is intended as that, as uh, maybe mocking or poking fun at the world of high fashion or the Gucci brand or the name or the family or whatever. It's like, look at what a circus this is. If that were the case, if that was the intention, well okay, I could see that. And I could see there's a point to it. There, there's a certain, um, I don't know. There's maybe even a little bit of a mad genius to that. But the way that the, the whole film just never really centers in on that and never really focuses on, yeah, we're, we're bordering on satire here. We're really picking the piss out of all these people. It never really does that. And so I can't feel like that was ever the intention. Instead, it just feels like a mess, total mess. And that's, that's a shame because I, like I said, I like Ridley Scott movies. I like the types of stories he tells. Even the one he, where he had to replace Kevin Spacey not too long ago. I was into that. I didn't necessarily, it's not one of my favorites. But I thought it was, it was decent. It was okay. But here, I, I don't know. This feels rushed. It feels sloppy. It feels like maybe somebody didn't really care and just wanted to get on to his Napoleon movie. <laughs> I don't know. So for me, that's a pass. I'm not going to recommend that to anybody unless you're just really hard up for Gucci and you just love that. And maybe high fashion is your thing. Uh, otherwise, pass. It's not worth it. So, in that sense, um, that's that. So, look, this has been another episode of Film Streak, and I'm glad you're listening. Thanks for checking this out. If you have the time or the inclination to go check out FilmStreet.com, you can find other episodes there. And you know, I mentioned there's a little bit of change happening. We move platforms. We're on Substack now, and by that, the benefit is that you can still send your thoughts or recommendations or whatever you want to send, any any things you have to say about some of these films or other films or whatever, send it to comments at filmstreak.com, but also, now that we're on Substack, you can just go there, and you can comment directly with this episode, with the, the, the post for it. So, that's nice. That's handy. And um, you know, if you subscribe to the email version, there might be even some other content that'll come to, come around. I have something special lined up for an upcoming episode. Might be kind of fun. So look, in the meantime, um, go check some of these movies out if you like. Um, if you want to check out some other episodes, you do that Filmstreak.com. Go ahead and subscribe there. Um, and uh, you know what? I'll see you later. In the meantime, just keep watching some movies. Okay. All right.